You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special Tuesday edition of the Talking About podcast. I'm Sean Kennedy. This week, we have a very highly anticipated game on the docket, the Sixers and Nets taking place Thursday night. Hard to remember a regular season game that had this much much anticipation leading up to it. It's been circled on the calendar ever since the trade deadline and the deal between these two teams went down. Uh, We have a very special guest who I'm going to introduce in a moment. But first, Dave Early is rejoining me on the pod. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm great. Looking forward to uh, Sixers Nets. Yeah, uh, we're going to go really in-depth on that matchup and the budding rivalry and all the intertwined pieces between the two clubs that exist right now. And so we wanted to have somebody who's deep in the weeds on all this stuff so we could talk it out with them. And we have Matt Brooks on the line. He does NBA work for basketball news and all of his net stuff for nets daily. Matt, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on the pod today. I'm good. I'm excited to sit down and talk about this, uh, I hope it's a budding rivalry. That'd be awesome. Like I'm, I'm always a big fan of NBA rivalries and this is a good one right here. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for Thursday. I'm kind of just counting the days, honestly. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I, I think it, it is a rivalry in, in a lot of ways, not only because these two teams have been two of the better in the Eastern conference the last few years. And I think as the Knicks have dropped off this season, the nets are quickly assuming the Philly, New York, natural rivalry that goes into everything between those two regions and and the nets are kind of just stepping into that role a little bit more uh so yeah it's great to see it's always good as a a content creator like we are and and as a fan it's fun to have two teams going at it like this yeah totally agree brooks and i cover uh cover steve nash who's been asked about this like is this a rivalry with the sixers is this a rivalry with the bucks and it's always funny he kind of always says no. He's like, well, not until the playoffs. And I always picture him with like a broken and bloody nose versus the Spurs thinking that. It's uh, it, I'm, I'm going to echo off Sean, what you said about the, uh, the replacement of rivalries. I think this year, like last year, the rivalry between the Knicks and the Nets was like really pretty heavy. Um, this year, the Sixers have definitely replaced that. So it's kind of funny how these, these three teams have, pick you know pushed out the Knicks and now we have this rivalry between these two squads so it's it's fun um you know I, I think for me personally from somebody who writes and covers the team whenever you can get that storyline of, of bad blood between two teams um that, that we really hadn't had that much this year uh that's always a good thing yeah it definitely is and there, there was a bit of it before the trade deadline but of course it's been ramped up uh tenfold since the deal that went down um I'm sure everyone listening knows, but James Harden and Paul Millsap coming to Philadelphia, uh, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond and draft assets going to Brooklyn. Um, we, we've, we've talked about it from the Sixers side of things quite extensively, but Matt, we wanted to ask you, what was the Brooklyn fan base's snap reaction to that trade going down? How did they feel about it? 
relief, I think is the big thing. Um, just having this, this, you know, things stewing between Harden and the Nets and, and Harden and KD and Harden and Kyrie, like it just, just sort of sitting there for about a month and a half. So in a way to just get the deal done and get some finality on everything was great. And then I think for what the Nets, you know, the situation they were in where you have a guy that's like missing practice and sitting out, um, you know, missing road trips, the fact that you can get anything much less, I think still a pretty substantial trade package with Curry and Drummond and uh, Simmons. And then those picks that one in 2027 could be pretty interesting. Um, I think that's a big, that's a big win for them. So I think people were excited for that you know, just to be able to kind of retool on the fly. The big thing with the Nets this year was the lack of depth, the level of just, you're not really sure what you're going to get from your, your back end guys night to night. You've, you've been able to retool that on the fly. And I think that's a big thing for them. Yeah. It's interesting. I think one of the reasons this in my mind has come across as such a fair trade is that both parties, you said the word relief. And I think that's exactly what the Sixers fans felt as well with the Simmons saga and this has been dragging on since last summer. And as, as it got into the fall and early winter, there were fans out there. They're just like trade Simmons for anything. We don't care what the return package is. We just don't want to have to talk about Ben Simmons. We don't have to see him moping in the back of the practice facility or what, and, and just didn't want to talk about it anymore. And the fact that from Sixers fans perspectives, Hey, we got a guy who was, a top 75 all NBA player at the recent ceremony and still an all-star caliber player. Like it was like Christmas for them just because as you said, I think relief was the, the name of the game for everybody involved. But I guess the, the question then is, so James Harden, you mentioned the, the missed time and uh, everyone not knowing where he stood with things. So now that he's gone, is, is there bitterness to the way everything happened with Harden kind of forcing his way out is like, what, what is the overall perspective of the James Harden era in Brooklyn? Uh, um, there's been a lot of pot shots I'll tell you that much in these pressers. There's, you know, stuff about, Oh, we've got this, you know, new sense of energy in the locker room, even though they're like one in five, like, is the energy really that good? Like <laughs> guys still aren't winning. Um, no, there's been a lot of that. I think from the players, you get these little subtle shots here and there. I, I think it was Blake Griffin who was pretty pointed about, um, you know, we want guys that want to be here. Like B Blake Griffin's usually the guy that's going to be uh, the most vocal about this stuff. So I think the players certainly feel a certain type of way. Um, and then the fans too, from a fan standpoint, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of bitterness. <laughs> a lot of bitterness. Uh, the word quit has thrown, has been thrown around a lot describing Harden's exit. Um, it's pretty bitter. I it's, it's up there. I, you know, I think the level of vitriol from the Nets fan base is up there with, you know, somebody like Darren Williams. Um, it, it's, it's been, it's been pretty nasty. So, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I think there's definitely bad blood there. You, you had a really fun solo pod. Do you remember that one where you broke, you did some reporting of your own. Uh, and I'm, one of the most interesting things I found was that it contrasted a little bit with some of the national reporting in that, mm. well, you were, you were pretty upfront. You did like a blame pie and you gave it, you started off with Kyrie and his showing up to training camp, not vaccinated. That was like the, the starting point of all of this. Um, but then even Kevin Durant and some of what Jake Fisher subsequently reported echoes that like there was a cold war. What, what was your sense of like how that happened? And if he, James Harden was so frustrated that Kyrie wasn't around at all, 
why would he have gotten more frustrated when Kyrie returned part-time? I think James wanted an even playing field for everybody. You know, like James, James is very big on like, for, for example, like that guy doesn't like to miss games, you know, like he, he takes this seriously. He wants guys that are going to be in the trenches with him. And I think having somebody that was part-time in a weird way made this way, way worse. It just exasperated, exacerbated the level of frustration that I think he had where it's like, man, I'm going out one night and it's just me out there with like David Duke Jr. and like Gessler Edwards. And I, and it's not, I don't think he felt that was totally fair compared to, you know, the, there's this other guy that's only playing half the time. So I think in a way they tried to, the Nets tried to fix things and try to ease tensions by doing this part-time thing. And, and in my humble opinion, it just completely backfired and really quick in the timeline of how much Harden wanted to force out. So you think if they had just maintained their, we're not having a part-time player, Kyrie's not vaccinated, so he's just not a part of this team that Harden would have been in a better mindset and this trade might not have gone down? Um, I'm not sure I would go that far because I, I do believe like at a certain point, Harden just would have been like this, this is just not going to work with this team, um, which I, I think there's plenty of reason to believe that right now. Um, but I do think like in a weird way that, that being something that he wasn't totally on board with, um, with, with Kyrie being part-time. Yeah. I think it, it, it shifted his mindset a lot and, and, you know, maybe, maybe it's a percentage game, right? Like maybe, you know, maybe he was going to force out no matter what, there's a certain above 50% range where he was going to do that. But I do think the part-time thing may have even made things a little bit worse in that regard. Do you think, is it possible that there's some underlying tension? Maybe he just doesn't love the idea of playing with Kevin Durant. Do you think there was some sort of idea in his mind that if I plant my flag here for the next four to five years, he and I just don't really get along. We don't see eye to eye on how to play or we're not friends off the court. There's something to that. Cause no, I, I think that's totally true. I'm, I'm, I'm going to like, I think they completely want to play different ways. Uh, KDs. I mean, the way they're playing, they're getting up and down. And, and I think, you know, Harden's a little more deliberate. He likes to set up the offense in certain ways. He's a genius playmaker. Like for me personally, I watch Harden play and I'm like that, that really, a lot of the times that feels like how you should play basketball. So if I'm watching these two, I, they're both great players in their own right. But, um, no, I, I think that was a big uh, that was a big point of contention was you have two guys that frankly just play different styles of basketball. And when you have all this underlying tension of, hey, I'm not really sure if I agree with the dynamics of how this team is handling this Kyrie thing um, that bled into, hey, we do actually have different styles of play. You, you mentioned um, that the Nets fans maybe feel that James Harden quit on them. If, if that's the case, how much do you think his hamstring was real and how much was exaggerated to get out of there? And the flip side of that is what about Ben Simmons back issue? Do you think he does not want to play the Sixers or do you think he really is dealing with the back issue? Like, do you find yourself ever just being so highly suspicious of these injury reports? Um, uh, boy, I hate, I like, <laughs> I hate speculating about injuries in a way. Um, but I, I don't know, like, sure. Yeah. I could, I, I see both sides of it. Like if he is dealing with something in his back, then like, so be it. Um, I understand people though, that are like, Oh, so they're going to start ramping up right after that Sixers game. I, I do understand how that's a little suspicious. So I don't know. I don't have a great answer to that. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, 
I understand the skepticism in a way. And what about Harden? Do you have you seen him much in a Sixers uniform? Do you think he looks healthier or quicker than he did uh, at earlier points in the season? He looks motivated. Tell you that much. I think he looks pretty motivated and happy to be out there. And in a weird, I'm like, I'm, I'm probably the only person that feels this way. But again, I'm not like a, I didn't grow up like a Nets fan or anything like that. I'm super happy for Harden. Like, I just want to see guys in situations where they're happy and they're playing, they're looking like themselves. Um, they're playing with that extra bounce in their steps. So yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed watching him out there. Um, and, and I think he does. I think he, there is a little bit of extra, you know, oomph to his game right now. Certainly seen a lot more smiles between him and Embiid than I saw all year with James and KD. Yes. Yeah, I agree. It's, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it, they just, it, then they make sense as a duo too. Those are two guys that are just super competitive. Um, not that KD isn't cause KD is obviously like the ultimate competitor also, but they, they're two guys that are vocal and that are loud and KD's a little more reserved in a way. So I, I think in that sense, it does make sense that those guys have worked well together and, and they have that real like alpha outgoing personality. It, it was interesting. Also, you brought up the different styles of play and based on how you described it, it feels like Harden and Embiid are a better fit with Embiid, you know, typically taking time to get up the court a little bit more and establish post position and everything. And just the, the way you said Harden likes to go, go at things deliberately. It, it feels like him and uh, Joel can really form a good partnership. And I, I think we've, we've seen the beginnings of that so far, even though they're still trying to figure each other out as, as on-court teammates. Yeah. I think there's a Kate, you can make a really strong case. They're like the best duo in the East. You know, we got, we got to obviously, I think KD and Kyrie are in the mix. Um, you know, maybe Tatum and Brown are in there as well, but you know, this, they're, they look really good. Um, I think myself included, a lot of us overthought some of the maybe stylistic differences between how Embiid and, and Harden like to play. And we probably just should have said, Hey, you put Harden with like a really dynamic big man. Like that's going to be a really good thing. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I, and, and it's, it's sometimes basketball is really that simple. Yeah, you know, people overthought the fact that Joel isn't this huge leaper and kind of ignored, well, you don't need to throw him a lob if you just throw him a pass in the paint and he's one of the best big men finishers in the league. Like just getting him the ball in an advantageous situation, that that's good enough. It doesn't need to be a DeAndre Jordan, Clint Capella type where it's above the rim and he just has to throw it down. Like Joel can take it from four feet in. And, and handle his business like this will work out just fine don't worry I feel like I feel like Harden has brought out a little bit of old man game in Joel in that you know Harden's got that guy at the Y game where he can kind of blow by you even without going into first gear and then he throws this sort of lob to Joel who doesn't finish the way Nick Claxton would but he just comes down with it and then does like a finger roll yeah. And I mean, here's the thing, like Harden was throwing lobs to 36 year old LaMarcus Aldridge all year like he's <laughs> it's, it's not like he, this guy was like playing with like huge high flyers in, in Brooklyn. So, I mean, yeah, I, I you know, he, he's like, he's just, you watch him actually this year was so fun. This is the stuff that I like to look at. You watch the way that he throws lobs to different players and it takes him like just even a couple possessions to figure out where a guy likes his passes. You know, the, you, you have LaMarcus Aldridge, he's throwing that thing. It's like a dying quail that like just goes over <laughs> the defense's hands. Nick Claxton, that thing's like at the top of the, uh, top of the square on the backboard. And then you have somebody like Dayron Sharp, who's the Nets rookie uh, drafted last year. He's a, he's probably like an at rim level type of lob finisher. So 
Um, it's hardened, man. Like he's going to figure this stuff out. And I think myself included, a lot of us overthought that this guy is like only got one pass in his bag. He's a, he's like one of the best lob tossers in the league. Like he really is. It's him, Trey and Luca, maybe, maybe LeBron as well. So it was going to work out. <laughs> does, does Deandre Jordan have anything to catch these lobs left? Oh boy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's tough. <laughs> Late career DeAndre's tough. I, his hands will kind of fluctuate. That's the weird part for me, just watching him in the last year or two. His hands kind of, uh, they're not always there. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. Harden's made magic out of out of just about nothing. So it might not be terrible, but yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't lean on DJ too much. What what percent would you would do you think James Harden is right now from like? that Phoenix game last season where he was the only one of the big three and didn't seem to mind that at all. I mean, they stole that game on the road uh, and he looked like one of the five best players in the league that day before any of his hamstring injuries. Where do you think he's at now? I don't think he's at that level, which is fine. Um, You know, you've already got a guy on the team that's, you know, what top, where do you want to put Embiid? I mean, you could, I could hear just about anything right now. Uh, maybe other than best in the world, but I, I, even that I I could hear an argument for that. So you kind of already have him there. He's like, Hey, what is he? The best second option in the league right now? Like that's, that's insane. Uh, And he's, and he's locked in right now. So, yeah, I mean, he might not be this, you know, uh, guy that can do it the way he did in Phoenix. Although I don't even know if I want to put any limitations on him like that, but he's certainly in the mix. And then Maxi as well has just been super impressive. Like, just attacking as a second side guy. It, it, it's been, it's been fun. They look fantastic. Um, they really do. Is there any, are there any Nets fans who have been saying, I can't believe we traded James Harden and we didn't get Maxi. Even if we could have had him over Ben Simmons, I'd rather have Maxi. Has anyone said that? I think people kind of knew pretty early. Daryl was not going to, not going to budge on that. Um, and, and like for good reason, you know, like that. I, 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 again, I think Har- at the end of the day, Nets fans realize they weren't, I mean, they might've been in the driver's seat to a degree. I never really agreed with the reporting on that. I know some people were saying that they felt like the nets were in the driver's seat. I just didn't because no matter what, if you're trading the best player in the trade, I, I can't see you in the driver's seat. I just can't. Um, so, and, and that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Like we'll see what Simmons looks like. Curry's a good Drummond's given them the nets some good minutes, but like they traded the best player in the deal. So for me, I'm, you know, I think people realize when you do that and you get a package back, that's about as good as you can get given the circumstances, uh, especially with a guy forcing out the way Harden was, I think they're okay with what they got. So you view it almost maybe like a sign and trade that happened to be mid season where you're, you're trying to get back the best you can. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think what you're also doing, if you're Brooklyn is you're reshuffling the decks, you're just, you're bringing in another guy. Yeah. He's like a star level guy, or at least perception wise, he's a star level guy. Um, and you're seeing what you got and, and that way you're, you're able to, you know, if you can turn that into something else, that's great. You can look at it how, um, you know, the Warriors brought in somebody like Russell or that's a guy and, and, you know, he's playing great right now. Um, that's your, that's your lifeline. That's the way you can build and improve from there. So yeah, let's, that's interesting. Go ahead, Sean. I was just going to say, like, like, let's talk about the guys that you did get in the trade. And we've we've discussed Simmons a little bit, but let's dive in a little deeper. It's been funny from a Philadelphian's perspective. It seems like 
Brooklyn has been going through the entire Ben Simmons experience from the last three years <laughs> in about three weeks. And <laughs> yep. it, it started on the opening press conference where they asked Steve Nash about does Ben need to shoot? And he gave the the answer we know all too well, like Ben's one of the best players in the world. Like just focus on what he does well and don't focus on the things he doesn't do well. And that, that's, that'll be enough. And then of course, as the back injury came out and the timeline keep getting pushed back, it, it was like the, the stages of grief and people are going through bargaining and acceptance and everything else stuff we've been going through for <laughs> years and especially months since the Atlanta series last year. I, I guess I just want to feel the pulse of like, where, where do people stand with Ben right now? Are there people still on board? Like uh, once he's back on the court, he's, he's going to be the all-star that we know, and he'll be the, the perfect piece next to KD or is anyone resigned? Like, is, is this just a mystery box? We, we don't know yeah. what, what's going to come from this guy. Like where, where do things stand? Uh, yeah. I, I don't think we've hit that yet. I, I think it's early. People are excited about, you know, what he's going to bring for them defensively. I mean, they're like, I think they're, uh, I think they're bottom eight right now defensively since uh, February. I said some, somewhere in there. I, I remember seeing that. Uh, so I think people are excited for that. The, the pace that he's going to add to the transition offense will be nice. Uh, I'm a little, I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I keep tabs on the league. I, I follow people from pretty much every single fan base and reporters from every single fan base. So I'm a little wary of it for sure. <laughs> I think, you know, I've, I, this is definitely something I'm watching for to be like, all right, is this, is this going to kind of be how it is? Are we going to have this like vagueness surrounding him being on the court or, or is this just them really making sure he's like good to go mentally, physically, whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think we've hit that with Nets fans. I, I, we're, we're definitely in a honeymoon stage right now though. Uh, I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of impatience within the Nets fan base. People are really eager to get a championship, really, really eager, especially when you put together the team that they did making that trade last year to bring Harden in, you feel like you come so close a foot away, like an inch away, um, a foot on the line away, literally a foot. Like yeah, Kevin Durant's like, foot. <laughs> um, and you come that close to doing that, and now there's a little bit of angst. You can feel it every single day on Twitter, just even talking to people. There's there's a little bit of angst, and um, and and we'll see if if this is kind of how it's going to be, where the timeline is unclear, and it's you know it's just kind of a sense of vagueness surrounding Ben. Like, yeah, I I, I don't think we're going to be in the honeymoon honeymoon stage forever. I think there's um, this, if your honeymoon is right now, that's a tough honeymoon, right? Cause you're almost starting to sound, maybe I'm projecting a little, but a little bit of resignation, a little bit of like, we're playing with house money in the way that the Nets talk about this now. So I'm wondering, do you think there's any part of them that might be starting to think about maybe 2023 is our year? Yeah. I, and I don't agree with that, by the way. Like, I don't think, I mean, like really you look at how this season went and last season went and you're, you're looking at things and you're being like, yeah, I think we'll be good all year next year. That, that should be fine. Like really this, this era is, <laughs> that's what you got out of this era. So I, I think there needs to be a sense of urgency for sure. Like I get it. Things have been tough and that this team has felt off all year. Um, but I, I would want a sense of urgency out there. If you can get, you have KD on the court healthy and you have Kyrie sort of on the court healthy, um, you, there should be a sense of urgency. I would not just assume that 
oh, this is going to work out next year. You just never know. Like, you know, Katie's what? Katie's 33. He's turning 34. Am I right about that? Um, you know, I think he's going to age great. I'm, I'm sure he will. He's seven feet tall and can shoot over anybody. Uh, he's also 33. You know, you only yeah. have so much of a window. So, no, I, I, I actually will say from afar, I, I don't know if there's been a giant sense of urgency from the Nets in the way there should be. Yeah, what would, what would be the argument for them being substantially improved next year, just having Kyrie full-time once a... If they had Kyrie... Lifted? Yeah, if they had Kyrie full-time somehow, um, whether that's change in New York City and then Ben Simmons out there, you know, they had 10 new players, so maybe they, they'd argue that they'd have some continuity as well. Yeah, but you got free agents and stuff too, and you got to retool, and you never know. Like, uh, uh, there's just, you know, there's there's, again, a lot of uncertainty in terms of... You know, do you have to flip the roster again? Uh, I mean, here's the, the other thing that I would want to know. So let's say, like, you don't win this year. But fine, like, you don't win. Um, I would still want these guys out there so you can have Simmons and, and Durant and Kyrie out there so I can at least see what this looks like so that you can figure out what you're going to do this offseason. Like, we're not even at that point. I have no idea. If you ask me to do a playoff, you know, preview right now of the Nets and how I think they're going to match up against let's say the Toronto Raptors in the plan, I'd be like, I don't know. Like, hopefully, well, like, I don't know. <laughs> These guys have never right. been together. <laughs> so I think even in that way, it's like, you should just see what you got because, hey, if it doesn't happen this year, at least you'll have a sample to build off of. So do you, are you sort of seeing them like, the way we look at some of these scary teams that sneak into the playoffs? Like, if you were a Sixers fan, would you be worried? I think Kevin O'Connor yesterday wrote, like, the three seed is the new one seed because then you're not going to play Brooklyn. Hmm. Ooh. Um, yeah, I mean, yes. Although I, I, I don't know. Like if, if you're worried, you're going to see those guys at some point, I would just want to see them. Right. Like I've, I've never really signed off on that whole theory. I mean, I guess what you're doing is you're prolonging the time that, that the nets could, you know, run into somebody that can beat them or, or, you know, whatever, or, or I guess get injured, which, you know, knock on wood, but that has kind of been the trend. Uh, Theoretically, you could like try to avoid a scenario where it's the Nets and then the Heat and then, some, you know, the Bucks. Yeah, I guess. All right. I guess I can see that. You know, I think in terms of the lower seeded teams, obviously the Nets are uh, not like the rest. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I guess I can see that. But I the end of the day, like you're going to play them. And I think if you're the Sixers, you should feel good about playing the Nets. We'll see on Thursday, obviously. But no, nah, I mean, the Sixers are, have got uh, just a really tough team for the Nets to match up against. And uh, it, they'll have their work cut out. I, I could even make the argument you would want to play Brooklyn earlier. Um, a, that would be the later you go, the more time there's a, a shift in city policies and Kyrie might be mm. increased possibility to be available, but also just more, more time for them to get acclimated as yep. a group. Like say, say Ben comes back with two weeks left in the regular season. It might be better to play them in the first round when they've only played four games together than they went through a crucible of a, a first round playoff series. They've, they've kind of started figuring things out and now you're facing them in the second round. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> always that team. It's like Atlanta last year where like they figure it out, they get through and it's like, Oh, this team is now kind of trouble. So I, I would worry about that as well. Yeah. The pieces, the pieces start to click into place. That's the, yeah. Atlanta's a good parallel last year for sure. Um, but okay. So we talked about Simmons. What about, you know, Seth and Andre came over. Seth especially had a, a really good few start 
of a, a few games for, for Brooklyn, it seemed like, um, it, when there wasn't really anybody else available and Seth was kind of the guy for a game or two there. Yeah. Um, have they met expectations for, for fans coming, coming over? I think people didn't know how good Seth Curry was. And like, just in terms of like that, he's actually a multi-level scorer. I don't think people were fully ready for. So in that way, I, I mean, for me, I kind of look like I watched the playoffs last year. I've watched the Sixers over, over the years. I watched them in Dallas. Like, you know, I I knew this, this was going to be like a big boost for them. That was the, to me, like the big crown jewel, obviously Simmons is one thing, but like, that was a big thing for the Nets to get. You're just increasing your shooting, I guess, uh, I guess your, your shooting uh, propensity in a way, you know, although Joe, Joe Harris is now out for the year, but at, at the very least you're bringing in another guy that can do that. I, I've been impressed by Drummond though. Um, just like he's, he's filled a lot of holes, I think um, for the Nets that they just have really needed, you know, they, they talked forever last off season about, you know, we need to increase our rebounding. We've got it. We got to make a bigger impact on the glass. And then the moves are, we're going to bring in Paul Millsap, you know, not a great <laughs> rebounder at this stage in his career. James Johnson, not a great rebounder, never really been a great rebounder. And then LaMarcus Aldridge, never been a great rebounder, especially now at, at this point in his career. So uh, bringing in Drummond has been huge in that way. And I think has just given them a little bit of a different look, um, and then, and, you know, defensively as well, he's got quick hands. So yeah, I think that's been, um, I think that's a big, been a big thing for them. So is Millsap washed then? Uh, I can't, I can't do it. I can't say it. I had this, I had huge, I put a big video out at the beginning of the year about Millsap and like, <laughs> about how he's going to be this huge difference maker. Right? I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Big whiff, big, big whiff. So because I'm stubborn though, I'm going to say, no, I think he's still got it in the tank. It's not looking good right now though, but right. I can't, I can't go back on my words. So no, I can't, I can't call him lush. Yep. You and Doc Rivers going down with the ship here. I, I will do it till the end of, <laughs> till he, till he retires. So he hangs it up. I'll be like, nah, Paul Millsap still got it. The, the only thing that could help Doc escape the Millsap vortex was bringing in an even more familiar vet in DeAndre Jordan. That that was that was that was Daryl's uh, three dimensional chess. Yeah, that's equal. That is that that was that was a depressing sentence. <laughs> 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 all right. All right. We're going to, we're going to take a quick break now and hear from our sponsor. And then we'll be back with Matt to talk more nets. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience, because is it really a vacation? If you're just sitting around like you would at home, you need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're back. So, Matt, we talked about the trade and all the different pieces that went around. Um, we we kind of touched on the rivalry earlier, the budding rivalry between the Sixers and the Nets. Uh, one of the interesting things that happened even before the trade was the game where Embiid and KD got into the jawing match at the end. From a Sixers fan's perspective, there, there's been uh, screenshots taken where that's that's when Harden realized he wanted to play with Joel Embiid. <laughs> was when Embiid was really giving it to KD out on the court at the end of that game. Um, KD was pretty uh, friendly and very, he, he kind of squashed it after the game and saying like that was just being competitive. Do, but do you think there's any any lingering, I don't know, competitive fires? Or I don't, I don't think it's as far as bad blood, but what, what was your take on that that game and everything that transpired after? I'm watching KD and, and Harden, if anything. Those are the two I'm watching for. I, I don't know. I KD, like, KD's a chill dude, man. Like, he, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he's, he can be kind of passive aggressive, I think is probably a good way to put it. But I don't think he's going to come out there and, like, try to, like, make a statement or do anything like that. You know, make a statement, play, throw an elbow into Embiid. I, I don't think that'll happen. I'm, I'm actually watching more of, like, the – I guess the back and forth between Harden and KD, because they are both kind of the similar, they're, they're pretty similar in the way that they can be passive aggressive from like pretty much everything that I know. Um, so that's the one I'm watching for. I think that when we turn on Thursday's game and we're, we're checking this out, I, I'm definitely watching those two quite a bit. And we're also going to be watching Ben Simmons on the bench and how, <laughs> how fans, uh, react to him being in the building and yes. re- re- reporting today that Ben is going to use the fans, the arena's reaction as part of his case for getting back some of his lost money that he was fined during his, his Sixers absence. So is that uh, what they're saying? Yeah. That, that, that was a report that came out ju- just uh, a short time ago. So. Oh, the- it's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> This, so this is like a retrospective arbitration point of look how mean the Sixers fans are. Yes, I think I think that's kind of the, <laughs> the, the, the basis of their case. Like, uh, uh, look, look look how look how damaging they are to people's mental health in general. And... It is fascinating that he's not on the bench for Celtics and Hornets, but he will be on the bench for Sixers. Right? It's like they they're choosing to do a some you know exposure therapy or something. Yeah, Matt, do you think there's any truth in that? It's kind of like a soft opening on Broadway where you you, you get a, just a little taste of what it's going to be like and you can kind of ease him into it. Do you think that played a factor into him being present but not playing? Yeah, because it seems like it's been a point of conversation. You know, I think it was Goran Dragic uh, who was talking about, yeah, he like Ben's aware that it's going to be pretty raucous in there, which suggests to me that's been a, a big point of conversation yeah. between him and his teammates like I don't think you just have that information offhand unless you've like had a discussion with him about that um 
so yeah, I, it does kind of feel like it's a soft opening. I, it was just so bizarre. Like I, I got the, uh, I think it was, I don't know who reported it first, but I just remember seeing the report and just being like, is this what sports reporting is in like 2022? <laughs> We're talking about a guy like sitting on the bench. It's just, what? A, it's a weird situation, man. So yeah, um, I, 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 I could buy into that. I definitely can. The soft opening, that's a good way to put it. Well, it's a 24-hour news cycle now, and games only take two and a half hours, so we have <laughs> right. we have to think some other things to talk about, I think. Um, so, yeah, obviously Thursday's game is going to be enormously important, um, probably more so for Brooklyn, who has been on a huge slide lately, as we've alluded to. They're, they're currently slated to be in the play-in game. Are there any signs, do you, for aside from you know, Ben coming back and looking like an all-star version of himself is, is there reasonable expectations that the Nets are going to write the ship? Teetering, sure. Teetering <laughs> within, within the Nets world uh, or whatever it's called. Um, yeah, it's teetering. I think people are worrying that this team is just like running out of time. Um, you know, and, and, you know, it, it would be nice if you could get your second best player out there for more than, one to two games a week at best. Um, so yeah, I, I think there is a lot riding on not very much time and you, and you really need everything to go well, like pretty much immediately, which if we've learned one thing about the nets, the last two years, that's not going to happen. <laughs> there has no. been no point, no point at all where you've had even what, I mean, the best, I think the highest point of this entire run has been that Celtics series. And then literally the second you, the second you get to the next round, the, I, it might, I might've been, I think it was like the second possession of the game. It was definitely Hurtis. like a minute or under. Yeah. I remember there, I was at the game and I was just, you see him like you, you, he was running up the floor and then possession ends four guys run up on the other end. You're like, Oh my God, not again. So it, that's kind of, oh. it's, it was crushing. It was pretty crushing to watch in person. Um, but I, I do think in a way like you, I don't know. You don't like, I don't know how you can look at this team and say, Oh, things are going to really fall into place right now when they just have it. Yeah. At no other point. I mean, I, I was covering them this year and I wrote so many times, like it could be scary hours coming and then <laughs> it just never, never <laughs> happens. Maybe the peak was that bulls game where they were all out there and it looked like, Hey, this season. Yeah, no, that was it. That was pretty much it. That was like, a, it was, that was such a weird, um, out of body experience. First up, it's like a 10 PM game. So it's a later, you know, you're up late watching this game and these guys are just humming. And then it's weird to think about now, like that's it. That's the end of that era of Nets basketball. It's still weird for me to think about. And that was the first thing I thought about really once I started to hear about the Harden stuff, like, Oh man, that's it. Like that really might be the high, uh, or maybe not the high, but certainly one of the last highs that you saw from this era of, of what the Nets are going through. So let's let's real quick let's get your prediction on how the next season will end at this point. Oh man! And then, uh, and then we'll get and then we'll ask you about the off season a little bit. Wow, a prediction. Um, man, this is like asking me to do a playoff preview of a team I've never watched. Um, you could really give us two <laughs> possibilities too if you want. <laughs> well, I don't think they're going to win the title anymore. Um, can definitely just I don't think it's going to happen. They they feel like a they feel like a round two team. But that would also depend on who they play in round one. I, I don't know. God, that is a hard question. Well, we might have to start with the play-in, right? And they might even lose that first game and then have to win the second game. Like, there's some crazy scenarios here. Well, yeah, they, so the – They like play the Toronto part, in the play-in. <laughs> exactly. Like, if they play Toronto and, and they just 
have a stinker. Like you, you need KD to be like you. He cannot have a bad game, which I don't think he will. I think in an, even in a play-in situation, if it's just KD, um, I'm still probably picking the Nets because KD's that good. But man, uh, that is that is a precarious situation. So yeah, uh, let's say they win it, and then they're what the seven. And they're playing, I mean, you have to predict the standings at the end of the year. I'm going way too deep into this, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> It'd probably be either the Sixers or the Bucks, then. Yeah, I like the Sixers taking that second seed quite a bit. Um, yeah, I think they lose. I think I actually think, I think the Nets would lose in round one to, to, to Philly. Hmm. I don't know why, but yeah, I just. That, that would be a, too poetic if they play Philly and yeah. Simmons is back in Philly. It, it would just be such an insane environment. Fans would yeah. fans deserve a series like that. I mean, maybe not Sixers fans because it's not an ideal matchup. You'd much rather like a Cavs-Bulls road to the conference finals. But, man, yeah. that would be some popcorn. That would be a first-round series that people would never Forever. forget. There, there, it, yeah. would be, it would be impossible to top the level of intensity for a first-round series if that was LeBron's that. return to Cleveland, but, like, for a whole series. <laughs> yeah yeah right. i'm thinking of that would go down i like last couple of years that that would definitely be one of the best first round series all like up there with those like clippers maverick series although probably better because of the bad blood there man yeah that'll be nuts all right and then looking ahead to the off season so harden's already gone is there a possibility Kyrie is next I, he, he has the player option could this be just a total dismantling of what was originally supposed to be the big three with he KD and Harden no I think he and KD are as long as as long as Kyrie wants to be in Brooklyn he's going to be in Brooklyn probably the best way to put it because so KD, they drop a max on him as part-time there's no change I think so you can't lose yeah. KD you can't no. do it you can't do it and if there's one thing we've learned it's that KD is going to stand by Kyrie at pretty much every single turn uh Kyrie was just talking about breaking bread with the mayor so I don't think he thinks he's going anywhere yeah, I don't, yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would be, I would be utterly shocked if that happened. I, I would, I mean, I've been utterly shocked a lot covering this team. So, you know, maybe, maybe I need to prepare for that. But right now, no, I, I can't see him going anywhere. Is there, is there a world? I know, like Shams and Woj have used the word inevitability that Kyrie could play full time, even after reports that the key to NYC stuff wasn't going to impact Barclays. Is there a world where we're like in July and August still wondering if he's going to get to play? Uh, well, if I had that answer, I think I'd be working for the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be figuring this out right away. I yeah. have no clue, man. We're drafting. I have, I, right. <laughs> I would not just be sitting on that information here, just doing a podcast. Uh, no, I have no clue. Honestly, I have no clue. I, I mean, I'm assuming eventually it's going to, it's going to be lifted, right? Like, you know, if, if we're out of the pandemic, um, which yeah. can knock on every piece of wood I can find in my house. Uh, but then, yeah, like I, I would assume it's eventually going to be listed and lifted. It wouldn't really make sense to do that. But, I mean, there's that complication that he fired that Adams fired all the city workers. Um, so that that's another thing that's going to play into that. So I, I, I think it's going to be a little while personally. Yeah, I guess I guess if you max him and then figure it out later, and if somehow you're in like Christmas of next season and he's still part time, then you could go to KD and say, "Could we trade this guy?" And if he yeah. says yes, then you consider it. Yeah, because at that point it's like, all right, we've been doing this for like a whole calendar year. <laughs> like, like, are you really enjoying this, man? <laughs> like, right. 
So I think that's probably an option. But yeah, I think you bring him back. You like, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna replace him? Like, it's not like you're gonna do like a sign and trade of Kyrie after this year for another star player. Like, I don't, I don't really think you have any other options. Do you think he's better than James Harden at this point? Oh, uh, TBD. Uh, I don't know. Harden's Maybe. look really good in Philly. It's 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 neck and neck right now. I do think Harden's dropped out of that like top five category funny and i think steph i mean based on a little bit we've seen this year i think steph's maybe dropped out of that category too they both kind of dropped at the same time so maybe maybe um but it's hard and still really good i i just sort of i don't know i can't quit the way he plays and and what he brings to the table so yeah um I'll, i'll say they're pretty close they're in the same tier at the very least yeah harden seems to have settled into more of a top 10 to 15, but that's perfectly fine because Philly already has a top five in Embiid. So it it's, yep. it works perfectly. It's a it's a yep. very nice partnership. He also honed his passing playmaking chops in Brooklyn that he's, he, you know, we saw one of those games last game, the Sixers play that was very much like a lot of his games in Brooklyn where he was like five of 15 from the field, but he got some free throws and he got like 13 dimes. Yeah, he's a he's a genius playmaker, like just a, a total genius. Um, it's it's fun to see him like have a guy in Embiid that I I just feel like it's a way easier like he just has an easier time getting him looks than with KD. Honestly, like it seems like it's an easier um, window for him to read a lot of the time. Yeah, and like we said, it just seems like a better fit with their style of play and. Sixers fans are glad they finally have a player who can actually make a post-entry pass, which <laughs> seems like something people should learn in middle school, but there's a lot of professional basketball players, at least to play for the Sixers, that aren't able to do it. And, <laughs> there's and, a lot, period. <laughs> there are a lot, period. That is a lost art right there. <laughs> yep. Well, I, I guess when post players kind of died out, the people that needed to pass to post players also kind of died out. So Very fair. Very yeah. fair. <laughs> but one Matt, thing, uh, one. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Dave. One thing I wanted to ask you before we get you out of here. Um, you mentioned that maybe the Nets were not seeing things as urgently as you would recommend based on the way things have gone. Do you regret them not trading like Joe Harris and maybe the Sixers pick at deadline for more help? Oh yeah. Oh, I, I Oh yeah. I would have like, I would like another, I mean, I, I think Nick Claxton, like it is what it is. I, I wish they'd play him more, but I get it. Um, they just have a lot of guys and they like to lean a little bit more veteran heavy, but I think Joe Harris, like you look at that, Man, that's a tough one. If if they don't win this year and it's like you have your they just feel like a guy short at any point. Boy, I I think that's a tumble on the right line there. scenario. <laughs> yeah, like if exactly. Um that I think that was the move right there where it's really a shame. And I actually I'm I'm of the mind they should have made that Harden deal like a day earlier. They should have just mm-hmm. done that and given themselves the whole final day of the trade deadline to really work and see what you can do. I mean, the thing about Joe is like, he's a huge, I mean, he's, first off, he's like the last remaining guy from the really when, when Mark's first started uh, first took the job. So he's a big pillar to everything that they've built and they look at him as such. They look at him as this, you know, one of the big decision makers, maybe not at a KD level, but he's definitely in that conversation for a lot of big decisions within the organization. Um, so I think in that way, that made that a little bit harder, but if there's anything you could have done. Yeah. 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 Which I don't know if you can always do. I mean, I don't, I don't, 
I don't know. I, at the very least, I would have just given myself more time to really figure out what you wanted to do with Joe. And um, especially at the deadline. Sixers fans think about that question all the time. Cause we offered Tyrese Maxey for Kyle Lowry and they got sentimental and said, no, they end up with tragic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you'd I'd rather have Maxey. Sheesh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> it, it's, it's honestly a huge what if, because yep. obviously in a vacuum, you'd rather have Maxi right now, but there's a world in which making that trade, the Sixers have Lowry and they don't collapse to Atlanta and it was a wide open field. You can make the argument that That's doing right. a Lowry trade wins them a title last year. So it's, it's a fascinating what if for sure, even though right now you say you absolutely hundred percent want Tyrese Maxi for the present and future, but it flags fly forever with it. <laughs> so, right. Well, I got, I got a question for you guys. There's a, I think it was Andrew Bogut who had the, uh, who had the, the thing about Beal maybe being a six for this summer. Like, would you guys, would you guys do a Beal for Maxi swap? Would you entertain that? I wouldn't do it personally. I, don't know. I, I would, I would ask Joel. I know he's trained with Beal and like you know, with pure sweat and Drew Hanlon. If he said, let's do it, I would say, all right, that's up to you. Uh, you're the franchise. That makes sense. In a vacuum, yeah. I don't think I would, but yeah, personally, but I, I, I do, I do agree. Like you have to keep Joel happy. If Beal said, I want to come and he was willing to do, and I'm curious, what do you think that if the Nets had not traded James Harden, that he would have left 60 million on the table to just go sign with Philly outright? Or do you think that was never actually, or that was just a threat? Cause I wonder if Beal would have to do the same thing, basically. I think he would have. I, I think I, I, at once, like there was writing on the wall pretty much around, I don't know, like January is, is when I started hearing kind of this, this hardened Philly thing. And they, I mean, I'll put it like this, like guys on the team just thought he was gone. Wow. Like they just, they were, they're ready for it. KD was ready for it. Cause KD had been in that spot. He like, he'd been in that spot in golden state um, where he just kind of, knew at a certain point and the read that I got from everything was that yeah like they they were definitely prepared for that to happen at some point inevitably um, so so Sean Marks basically says we make sure we checked with everyone on this team and everyone was okay with Kyrie coming back but that's completely not true and then when it when he was back as you mentioned on a pod like that completely created this KD Kyrie versus hardened faction and things blew up from there and then it's been sort of ugly since late december early jan is that fair i think that's fair i think that's fair i would say maybe late late jan i don't know about december december i think was just like i think that's when when a i mean shocker but i i think there was some tampering going on <laughs> i don't know if mm -hmm. people know this but there is tampering in the nba even though there's uh <laughs> no they they find some... people there's there's yeah. there's penalties for that people do not do that anymore they would, that would never happen that actually i'm sorry i shouldn't have put that out there that was that was that was uh, bold of me to assume no i think that's when things started kind of percolating a little bit uh and then uh and then you know things picked up once things really got ugly kd got hurt that really 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 doomed the nets um just that fluke knee sprain i think kind of was the nail in the coffin that that was pretty much what did it in everything goes through meek mill who is not officially affiliated <laughs> with any nba team so <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny <laughs> <laughs> 
right. I, I think you, that's a you, yeah. good place to end. I think, uh, yeah, I was going to say it's a good place to end, but if you have another question. For I guess I, I, I do. <laughs> I have one more. I have one more. Is there a sense that KD pitched his wagon to the wrong guy and that he could have just been like, let's just get Kyrie out of here? Uh, TBD, right? Isn't that, isn't that what we, <laughs> we make those declarations at the end of all of this? Right. But if I was a fan and I said, what should I feel? Should I feel regret? Like, was that the right move? Uh, Knowing I mean, the infinite scenarios to play out. God, it really de- depends on how hard it ages. Depends on what happens with Kyrie. Are there things in the future where he's not available for things? It's super TBD for me. Personally, yeah. I, I just kind of believe a little bit more in Harden just because like that dude just suits up. Um like I get it, like hard. It's whatever. I mean, Kyrie's thing is a personal decision type thing. That's fine. I think you know whatever. I guess we're all entitled to our own personal decisions. But from like a basketball standpoint, if I'm KD, I want the guy that's like out there every night and like you know he, he's going to be out there. But that you know, I guess we'll see. Time will tell. Hard never reminds you this is just my work. No, this is <laughs> my life. <laughs> yeah, that dude loves basketball. That that guy's yeah. got to be in the top three or four in the league of like guys that just like love playing basketball. Um, yeah. He's, he's honing these moves we've never seen before. That might be yep. travels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, I mean, I, I TBD, but uh, I think there's definitely a world where we look at this. If, if, if this doesn't happen in Brooklyn and things flame out, I mean, like, let's be honest, like there's a world where this doesn't work this year, next year, it doesn't work. And there's something that comes up. And maybe things, the, the relationship between um, Kyrie and KD is a little bit frayed after everything. KD forces out. And then it's like, okay, yeah, he probably didn't make the right decision there because this blew up in, what, three years of them really, four really, but three of where they're actually on the court. Yeah. NBA, it moves fast. <laughs> it moves fast. And then, so for the next time we have you back, we're going to have to ask you, can Kyle Korver fix Ben Simmons' shot? And would you trade Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal in the offseason? These are huge <laughs> questions. <laughs> I'm going to go with a no, and then we'll see. <laughs> that, we had that video come out. By the way, you guys have talked about the, the stages of Ben Simmons' grief. Uh, yes. There was immediate enthusiasm. <laughs> there was like a video that came out on Twitter. I, it was probably a summer workout video, and people were like, yeah, you know, like jump shot doesn't look that bad off the dribble. And then that video came out uh, of him at practice, <laughs> like forward. taking like pro tip, footers. pro tip, Qu- quote, tweet, one of those videos with an eye emoji. You'll get a lot of traction. <laughs> eye emoji and the steam coming out of the nose, which Ben loves. Yeah, man. <laughs> He's going to be a problem. Watch out. I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, this has been terrific. Thank you so much for coming on the pod and discussing uh, Simmons and all things Brooklyn. Uh, Where can can our listeners find you on social media and the rest of your work? It's all on Twitter, Matt Brooks MBA. I'm pretty good about putting everything up there. So yeah, uh, anything I write, record, film, I don't know, and tweet, I guess uh, that's all going to be on there. All right. Well, again, thanks for coming on, Dave. Thanks for, thanks for co-hosting again with me today uh where can people find you uh david early on twitter and i'll just plug matt stuff matt does some excellent excellent work he's been one of my favorite followers all season long for nba in general but especially nets um so definitely give him uh give him a follow appreciate that all right and i am sean kennedy at philly fast break on twitter and libertyballers.com all right everyone thanks for tuning in enjoy 
Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Thursday night, a regular season, like regular season game, like few others should be a fun one. So we'll talk to you next week. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.